It's the Not So Bon Voyage podcast, episode 28. On this week's episode, we talk about solo sailing around the world, near-death hiking experiences, and explosions on a flight. Grab your parachutes and let's go. And then the train got lost. How does the train get lost when it's on rails? I just want to get out there in the wild. Well, it was in the itinerary. I mean, adventure, it's calling. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been excellent. Good day to you, Christine. Oh, and a very good day to you. I it's, tip my cap to you. Oh, it's the Not So Bon Voyage podcast, episode 28. And we are doing the entire podcast episode with an English accent. Oh, can you imagine that? Uh, no, but I just found out that Boris Johnson is in the ICU with Corona. Boris Johnson? <laughs> yeah, that's the Corona Corona update. I was hoping to do a Corona-free episode. Okay, well, I'm actually fine with putting a pin in the Corona subject in that moment. Well, I have a little bit of Corona news, but it's not Corona-focused, if you will. Okay, well, I'll just let our voyagers know that I have zero Corona news. Well, okay, I mean, it's pretty hard to avoid. I have one reference to it in an, in the news story, but it has absolutely nothing to do with Corona. Okay, but it has a little bit to do. Well, no, it doesn't. It's just, it makes the title of my story much better. Oh, you know I love a good title. Yes. Uh, I love when you do titles. I don't do titles. No, you do not do titles. I don't need to do titles. My stories are so good that I feel like they speak for themselves. They kind of title themselves. Yeah, okay, great, great stuff. Hey, Voyagers, <laughs> how are you doing out there in the world? Oh, hey, everybody listening. Hey, I just want to give a shout out to the Voyagers who actually get in contact with us and say hello over social media, because I know there's a lot of you guys listening out there that don't say it, and you know, when we get... <laughs> Calling them out. Well, when we get, when people say hello, and it makes us feel good. It does. It's really nice. We We're are very isolated at the moment. We are very isolated. We are but two lonely podcasters who are very social people and we miss having friends so please contact us honestly we have so much time on our hands right now if you're a complete stranger and you want to if you have any questions about traveling podcasting travel blogging working online anything just shoot us a message Shoot it right on over. Just hit us up on Not So Bon Voyage at Not So Bon Voyage on Instagram, and we've got time to chat. If you have questions about avian law, aviation law, and various maritime law and other laws, hit us up. Yes. If you would like to join the Coalition Against Flight Attendants, hit us up. Yes. Christine is the president, and we're spearheading that movement as soon as we can get back in the air. Actually, we have a new aviation law intern. His name is Comron. He, we have hired him on a free basis. Yeah. He is well, it's intern. an internship. It's an internship. It's free. You know, yeah. settle down, Comron. We're not going to pay you yet. Yeah, we can't pay you yet. Everything's <laughs> on hold at the moment. Everything's on hold. But he is giving us updates on aviation law. So we now know whether you can film in an airplane or not. And what is the verdict, Your Honor? I don't know. I can't remember. <laughs> I think it was that you were not, you were forbidden. Forbidden's word, yeah. Forboden. Forboden. Verboden. Verbiden. Verbiden. You were Joe we are, Biden. We're for Biden. You were Joe Biden from <laughs> recording the safety instructions oh. on a plane, which is kind of bizarre because I feel like, if anything, those are the things that people should know about. Yeah, maybe we should record those. I mean, now we're just getting those cartoons that are doing the safety for us. Do you ever pay attention to them? Um, if they're funny, I do. But pretty much, like, I know what to do on an airplane. I've been on a ton of flights. I know what to do. I have this weird kind of, maybe call it a superstition. I mean, you know I'm a bit of an anxious flyer these days. Call it a superstition or whatever it will be. I kind of feel like if I don't watch the flight attendants do the safety ritual it's like a disrespect and it's gonna end up in <laughs> something disrespect. or it's gonna end up in something bad that happens oh okay so it's like a final destination kind of thing yeah it's just like one of those you know this will be the one time that i don't watch them mm. and then i'll suddenly forget how to get the oxygen mask what am i supposed to do that makes sense yeah so i always just, and also i figure like they don't want to do it either. i mean the oxygen masks fall down <laughs> like that's all you and then you just have to put it on and it may or may not inflate don't freak out if it doesn't inflate yes and always uh do yourself first before anyone else i always do myself and then i do jules we're talking about the oxygen mask <laughs> oxygen mask clearly obviously Anyway, anyway, should we get to our stories? Yes. Are we going to mumble on about safety guidelines for aviation? Well, it's day 21 of the quarantine. That's that's the life update we have, and that's pretty much the only update we have. That's true. What did we do this week? 
Let's not get into that. We Let's didn't do not much. Get into we're it. already a day late on the podcast, and, and we're a dollar be short. Completely honest with you guys, we have absolutely no excuse this week. None, no excuses. I feel like we're busy though. You know, it's like everybody's doing virtual hangouts. So our calendar, our social calendar, is packed. It's it's packed. Everybody wants to get on house party. Everybody wants to get on Zoom. We also watched our hour long wedding video on Friday. If anybody is interested in watching an hour of us talking about our love, let us know. We'll shoot you the password. It's very good. It's very good. Okay, but. You know, I mean, I was going to say we've got things to do. We don't have anything to do, but we do have this podcast to record. So let's get into it. Episode 28 coming at you right now. I'm Christine. I'm Jules. This is the Nods of Bon Voyage podcast, all about when shit goes wrong on the road. And I have an in the news. <laughs> oh, let's hear it. My in the news, I actually went between two different titles. One was called Safest Man Alive. Okay. And then I kind of like, as a subtext, it's called... He is currently winning the Social Distance Award of 2020. That's the title? It's a very long title. Well, no, not that he's currently winning. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Well, okay. Well, I could have just called it Social Distance Award of 2020. Okay. I like it. Or something catchy like that. So catchy. In the midst. Mitts. Mitts. In the mittens. (laughs) In the mittens of this global pandemic, where anyone can become a victim of COVID, one man could literally be the safest man on the planet right now. Is it Bubble Boy? It's not Bubble Boy. <laughs> bubble Boy. Bubble Bubble Bubble, bubble, bubble boy. boy. His name is Bert Terhart. Now, I it's of Dutch origin. Okay. His name is Bert. B-E-R-T. Okay. But then he has a T-E-R-H-A-R-T. And sometimes the spelling puts those words together, like mm. Terhart. With a capital H. Okay. It's Dutch, I believe. Okay. He is from Canada. He's like middle aged, and he is currently solo sailing the high seas, circumnavigating the globe nonstop on a forty-foot sailing boat without any electronic navigation devices. What? Why? That seems super dangerous. Because he's a badass. How old is he? Uh, like middle aged. Middle aged. I don't know what his exact age is. Okay. But he comes from a long lineage. Of professional sailors like his father, his grandfather, his great grandfather, and I'm assuming he's also a very apt sailor. I would hope so. <laughs> but he left Victoria, which is in BC, Canada, so West Coast, on October 27, 2019, well before the coronavirus became an issue, and he has not had any contact with humans since. So he doesn't have any like radio situation? He has nothing. All he has is a sextant. Oh, which, we don't really need to know about his toys. <laughs> <laughs> which is like one of those old school navigational devices that tracks angles and all things like that. Okay. He has an almanac with information like tides and directions and Damn, this guy's doing like it that. super old school. Oh, yeah. And then he has a pen and paper and a logbook. For, and the stars to guide his way. I mean, literally, he, he does. That's what he's using. Wow. So he's doing without any electronic navigation. He does have electronic devices on board. Mm-hmm. But it's like nothing, it's all old school sailing. Okay. And he is, if he completes it, well, I'm jumping ahead now, but if he completes his trip, he'll be the first North American to ever do it. Wow. Yes. So he's in a 40-foot sailing boat, circumnavigating the whole world, going east, I guess. He's he's on the west coast and he's going down around all the capes mm. and things like that. Wow. Does it say how long he plans to be at sea? It does. It says in total... So this is like a bit of a good news story. I love it. I love a good yeah, news yeah. story. But, but it's not without its trials and tribulations. I would imagine. And I... Uh, actually, okay, let me just get into the story and then I'll tell you about that. Okay. Okay. So his trip is supposed to be about six months long. Okay. But it's looking more like it might be about eight months because he hit some extreme weather along the way. How do they know that? Because he has... Um, he has internet on board the ship. What? Oh, wait. So he has internet? <laughs> he has internet. <laughs> I thought you said he didn't have any electronics. No, electronic navigational devices. Oh, okay. Does he have Facebook? He has Instagram and he has a blog. Okay. I feel like you tricked me. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Did you do that on purpose? No, I didn't. That's why I was like, I don't know where at the start in this story, like, which okay. part. Okay. Well, I that thought was... you meant he had, like, no communication. No, no. Okay, I... so he knows Corona's happening. 
Oh, yeah, I actually talked to him. You talked to him? <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah, I messaged him on Instagram and he wrote back. That's hysterical. So, what right, did let he me, say? Let me jump back. I know, I wasn't sure what order to tell this in. Okay, so he's sailing nonstop. It was going to be six months. It's looking like eight months now because it's hit some weather. And he had to sail around the travel spots to avoid like hurricanes and big swell and things like that. Um, so here's information about his trip. If he gets around the world, so he's not allowed to stop at any port along the way. Okay. So he cannot make a stop. If he does that, he'll be the first North American to do so. So it means that he had to travel with, he's got nine months of supplies on board the ship. Wow. Just to make sure, like just in case. So I guess he can't, is not eating like uh, uh, fruits and vegetables and fresh produce. I'm not sure. I don't know. He's probably eating like astronaut ice cream. <laughs> I'm not sure what he's doing. I saw he had an onion the other day in something. So Ooh, I don't what know a how, treat. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he, yeah, so he cannot, he can't actually, he can't stop at a port or it gets like disqualified. Okay. So isn't that cool? That is amazing. Good for him. I would never be able to do that. I would go nuts. I mean, that, I mean, I guess he's quarantining on the open seas. Yeah. So... As, as we were talking about before, he does have... So I don't know exactly. I only just found this story recently. So I'm, I'm going to do a follow-up on this because I'm actually going to reach out to him. Um, but he has internet because he is documenting his story along the way on Instagram, on a blog. And there actually is this really cool website. I don't think it's through him. I don't know who it's through, but basically you can track... So he must have GPS location on his boat and uh-huh. satellite Wi-Fi and things like that. But you can actually track his boat and you can tra- uh, track his route and uh-huh. see where he currently is. And you, you can also plot it against weather patterns to see like what sort of weather he's going into and, and all things Give like that. Give him a little that. warning. Slide into his DMs. Well, he There's knows- a hurricane up ahead. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess like he's been able to find out about weather- yeah. Things like that. But he, he's not using any – the key here is he's not using any navigation. So he's not using GPS and things like that to navigate his trip. Uh-huh. He just has access to – He doesn't have a Magellan. What's that? That's a GPS. It's a card GPS. Or a TomTom. Or a TomTom. No, but he has Instagram. Uh, okay, well, there you go. And he has a is very – using Google Maps? No, yeah. yeah. Okay. Spoiler alert, he's got Google Maps. No. <laughs> But he does have a funny Instagram, and he has uh, he has this stuffed seal that okay. is on um, on the trip with him. That's pretty much the only like is I the guess, name Lou. No, but I guess it's like the only friend. I wouldn't say friend. His only of, friend, but he it's does. His Wilson. Yeah, I guess it is his Wilson. I mean, you would go kind of crazy out there by yourself. You'd have Absolutely. to get imaginative. So I think the seal. He's taken on a bit of a persona as his first mate, and he he's has a funny a few funny posts about that. But he has some very detailed posts about where he's at, what he's doing, the weather, uh, and I guess just life in isolation. And it's such an interesting thing because he can't stop anywhere, so he's not really seeing places. He's just seeing the open sea, right? Yeah, How many times can I say sea? See, well, it's a pretty amazing sailing feat to achieve, to be the first North American to do that. As I said, he comes from a lineage of sailors, so, you know, it's paying homage to his ancestry, and yeah, Mm -hmm. it's a pretty cool trip. And he, I I guess he had an interview with the, or he he gave the Good News Network, so this is where I got this story (gasps) from. You mean with John Krasinski? Well, it's a website. I don't know. Does he own the website? I have no idea. Wasn't he doing Good News something? Well, I think there's probably a few websites that are doing probably. it, but yeah. He said of self-isolation, he said, it's an opportunity to learn more about oneself. Mm. It's rare that we have the time to really examine what it is that we want to become and hope to leave behind as a legacy. Mm. So I guess that is part of it. And we will, in the show notes on notsobombvoyage.com, I will link to his Instagram uh, and we'll do it in the episode notes description as well, but also the tracker so you can track his little thing. What's his handle? It is S S V C Bourbon. Mm. Yeah. I hope he's got some alcohol on that oh, trip. Oh, you would have to have some alcohol on that trip. So anyway, I, I commented on one of his photos just saying, hey, we just came across this story. We're going to chat about it on the podcast. And hopefully, um, 
Wait, let me say, I said exactly what I said. Just came across your story. So incredible. We're going to have a chat about it this week on the podcast, as we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. And we'd love to chat with you once you successfully complete it. Keep going. But not if you don't successfully yeah, complete it. if you don't it. finish it, Bert. We I'm will sorry, not be speaking can't. with you. But he said, excellent, email me. And then he gave his email. So we should reach cool. out to him and give you an update on Bert. And funnily enough, he actually finishes his trip in San Francisco. Oh, we so, should take him out for a beer when he arrives. So if we get a little bit of banter going on with Bert, I don't know if he can listen to podcasts along his way. Hopefully he can. Well, he has internet. He has internet. Yeah. I think he's using Google Maps. <laughs> Admit it, Bert. Come Admit on. Admit it, Bert. Uh, we will reach out and we'll share this episode with him. And hopefully, who knows, we might even get him on the podcast because I'm sure he has some very good not-so-bon-voyage stories because I'm sure. he's encountered like huge swell out there in the eye of a hurricane, crazy stuff like that. So it'd be very interesting to hear. Sharks, I imagine. Yeah, he's on a boat though. He's not out there. (laughs) Maybe he takes a dip every once in a while. Every now and then. We don't know. But I think it would just be interesting to talk to a person who went on a trip for such a long time by themselves. But I guess the fact that he has internet and can connect with people would make it a lot easier. It definitely would make it easier. Not saying it wouldn't be Difficult, Bert. Yeah. Human interaction. We've gone three weeks without interaction of just outside people, our family, and we're going crazy. True. But the fact that you could connect and talk to people, I feel like, would make a big difference. It's funny that he just happens to be doing this during quarantine, where there's so many other people who are probably kind of in a similar situation where they're spending a couple months just by themselves, but in a house. Yeah. So when everybody gets to tell their quarantine story of 2020, like the where were you? Uh-huh. It's like, hey, Grandpa, where were you in 2020? Someone's like, well, I watched Tiger King 17 times. Uh-huh. What about you, Grandpa Bert? Uh, I just sailed around the fucking world, you know. Yeah. Just I was because. on my sailboat with Captain, what's his, what's his first mate? <laughs> I don't know, McSalty worked seal. to the bone or something. <laughs> so, yeah. That so Bert, keep going. Uh, you're a legend. We can't wait to check in with your story and we will reach out and hopefully you have an update. Maybe we can do like a Where's Bert segment. I love it. You go, Bert. You go, Bert. That's a good news story. I love it. I love a good news story. Yeah, we I need that. We need, we need that. We need that now more than ever. It's true. I don't know if mine is a good news or a bad news story. Well, you can tell me. In saying that, my main story, which is very interesting, guys, do not switch off. But, uh, yeah, it's not also a good news story. It's not a good news story? No, it's not. Okay. It's an interesting story. Um, it is old. It's an older story. Oh, okay. It involves a, a flight and it involves, uh, yeah, you just have to find out. It's a good story, though. I feel like the really sad stories are easier to tell if they're old. Do you know oh, what I mean? 100%. It's Why like is not that? too soon. I don't know. I guess because it feels more like if I'm telling a story of, from like the 1930s, that's like about a bloodbath or something, then I'm like, okay, I feel comfortable with that. But if it's like something happened in 2018, I'm like, no, it's too soon. 100%. You're like, oh, there was a plane crash, you know, 70 years ago and 300 people died. Ha ha ha. Let's, They're so old. Let's, so. We can make a joke about it. Yeah, exactly. And now if it happened last year, it's like, mm. well, I guess that's probably because. I mean, it's never, obviously never funny to laugh at somebody dying. That's unless it's like they do it in a really silly way. True, yeah. Yeah. It's, still, it's not funny, but no. you can make more surrounding jokes, like peripheral jokes. Yes. But yes. I guess that it's easier to laugh or to tell a story from olden days because it's less sensitive to the people exactly. who are still around. Exactly. The victims' families. That's right. So my story, my stories do not involve death, so that's good. So, but my in the news story is about a couple who went on their honeymoon in the Maldives, which we have been to. So pretty, pretty, and they are now stuck there, unable to return because of the COVID nineteen lockdowns. Oh, that's a good. That's a good news story. It's okay. So they're from South Africa. They got to the Maldives on March twenty second and planned to stay for six days for their honeymoon. Um, so they were kind of like deciding if they should even go amidst all this craziness, but the travel agent assured them it would be fine and said that all South African citizens, travel agent, I'm guessing the travel agents didn't want to lose out on any money. I don't know, but they promised them that all South African citizens would be allowed to come home. So then on Wednesday, that travel agent works for the government as well, do they? Yeah, apparently they're, you know, they, they, yeah. I don't know where I was going with that. Yep, 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 yep. 
So on Wednesday, March 25th, just a few days after they arrived, they got a notice that South African airports would be closed by midnight on Thursday. So they got this over WhatsApp. <laughs> and because it was it's so far... It's the South far, African government's preferred method of communication. Yeah. I mean, WhatsApp is pretty handy. But because it's so far, they didn't, they wouldn't have made it in time. So the government says there's 40 other South Africans stuck in the Maldives. Maldives? Maldives. We've had this debate, and I never remember. I think it's Maldives. It's Maldives. But yeah. a lot of people say Maldives. Yeah, Maldives. And potato, potato. Hmm. So the, the government basically said, hey, why don't you guys hire a chartered jet at your own expense for $104,000? <laughs> But a lot of the people didn't want to pay, so it was becoming way too expensive per person. So these two are the only guests left at this resort. All the other people have managed to get home. Americans like went through Russia or something, and so they were the only they're the only people left at the resort. The full staff is still on hand at the resort. So they said there's like nine waiters at their table at breakfast. Are they paying for it? So the local government has told them they'll subsidize. I don't know when they got this information, but the local government has told them they would subsidize a large portion of the cost of their stay. So according to the hotel website, room rates start at $750 per night. Wow. So I'm hoping, and they've been there since March 22nd. So you can do the math. It's a long time. (laughs) It's It's a shit ton of money. They're newlyweds. They're pretty young, I think. Surely I, they're in they their would late get. 20s. Surely they would get some kind of rate. That's ridiculous. Yeah, but who knows how much? You know, I'd be stressing if I were them. And the Maldives is very expensive. Very expensive. I'm hoping that seven hundred fifty dollars includes their room and board, but it probably doesn't include drinks. And no. I'm sure they're drinking. Oh yeah. So as of yesterday, they were given an hour's notice by the embassy via WhatsApp to pack their bags. And then they were taken by speedboat to another five-star resort because that's all they have in the Maldives. Yeah, <laughs> and seriously. they're basically rounding up all the South Africans in, on one island, uh, corralling them together, and they're not sure when they'll actually be able to get so home. So surely the South African government then could do something. I think that's what they're trying. Yeah, yeah. I think they're trying to at least help everybody get oh, home. Oh, man. Could you think of a better spot to be so nice. quarantined? And I think it's a really good season for it. Like it's mm. uh, They said that usually at this time they'd be at full capacity at that hotel. Well, we were in the Maldives. Oh, no, that was January. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but it was beautiful. Yeah, it w- it's definitely the one of the better places to be stuck. Besides that, it's outrageously expensive, but also just the feeling of not being able to go home would definitely stress me out. Yes, absolutely. But it is gorgeous there. But if you're going to be stuck somewhere, you must be stuck in paradise. Yeah, and they're the only ones at the resort. That's very cool. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. That's kind of like that. How you you know that dream you had as a kid where you, you are stuck in a toy store or in a mall by yourself yeah. or something uh-huh. something similar to that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that. Yeah. It's like an adult playground. That'd yeah. be so fun. The adult version of having that dream where you're stuck in a toy store. Yeah, exactly. You're Love stuck it. on a gorgeous island. So hopefully they Keep can get home on the or South not. Africans. I don't know. But I, I would like to ask the audience if they would find this to be good news or bad news if they were stuck on this island. The Voyagers. The Voyagers. Our dear Voyagers, reach out to us and let us know. Good news or bad news? Or I'd like to know where people would, would want to be quarantined. Ooh, that's a good one. If you weren't quarantined at home. Because I think at the end of the day, being quarantined at home with your home comforts and... Is the best. The supportive system of your healthcare or lack thereof, depending where you live in the world. But uh, I think that that would probably be number one. But if you weren't quarantined at home... And you didn't have to pay for it. Yeah. Tell us. Reach out. Nice one. Well, keep us updated on them. I will. Let me know. We want to know how the South Africans go in the Maldives. As of, I think it was yesterday I had that update, so I will let you know. Cool. All righty. On to main story time. I just want to take a quick break to say, isn't it really coming down outside right now? It is raining cats and dogs. It is. and, And penguins. And penguins, all sorts of animals. We should make up a new one. Instead okay. of it's raining cats and dogs, we could be like, it's raining... Apples and oranges? Mm, no, mm. they already have a saying. I, where does that saying come from? 
It's like apples and oranges. No, no, but where does <laughs> oh the, okay apples and oranges already have a saying? Yeah, they already have a saying, yeah. which means like they can't get two sayings because then it would be saying hogging. It's not fair for the bananas and the grapes of the world. There's a, and there's a lot of other animals. Out That's there. true. Okay. I I think that one day I did look up the origin of where it's raining cats and dogs came from, uh-huh. and I can't remember it. I think I've looked it up too. Mm. Well, I'll just have to look it up look again. Look it up at some stage. Maybe it, it's raining lions and tigers. Little Tiger King-esque. Yeah. Yeah. It's very topical. Or maybe something different. Let's step outside the animal box. It's raining iPods and, and headphones. Oh, I like that. Okay, it's, it's, let's do it. It's raining iPods and air, earphones. No, then it looks like we're sponsored by Apple. Which we're not. Which we're not. And they don't sponsor anyone. Yeah. They're, so, whatever. whatever. Okay, main story time. It's, okay. Well, the reason I said the rain is I wonder if that our voyagers can hear the rain through... I hope they can. It's so peaceful. It is very peaceful. Um, if you can hear it, I hope you're having a lovely day. We hope so. And please let us know what saying you would make up. Yeah. It's raining blanks and blanks. It's blanks and blanks. Tell us. Okay. My main story today is called Frightful Flight 811. Oh. This is a story about Captain David Cronin. Okay. It is February. Now, I'm going to cast your mind back. Cast it back like Voyages, a, be prepared. Like a fishing hook in the wind. It's February the twenty fourth, nineteen eighty nine, and United Airlines flight eight one one. United Airlines is an American flight operator for everybody outside of the US. Mm-hmm. Flight eight one one is taking off from Los Angeles to Sydney, okay. Australia. Mm-hmm. With stops at Honolulu and Auckland, New Zealand along the way. I feel like I've done that flight. We've definitely done LA to Sydney via Honolulu. Uh-huh. I've also done LA to Auckland yeah, to they're Sydney very, to They're Melbourne. very popular routes. Yes. It is on board a Boeing 747 that mm-hmm. has no incidents and it is in good working order. I, I think, should hope so. I think the plane's from the 70s or okay. something like that. I don't know. It, it was been, it'd been around for a while. Okay, been around the block. Yes, and so had David Cronin. Mm-hmm. Cronin had been a United Airlines pilot since 1954. Wow. And at the time of his flight, he was 59 years old. Okay. And he was on his penultimate, which is a word I learned today. Does that mean um, second from last? Second from last. I'm so smart. He was on his second last flight before he was taking mandatory retirement. Mandatory? Yes. Did you know that at the time, um, you had to take you had to retire at the age of 60 really? as a pilot? Wow, that seems so young. I think it's 65 now, or it could even be older. But back then, once you hit 60, you had to take mandatory retirement. Mm. I guess it was just the idea of keeping the pilots fresh. Well, 60 is the new 40, so. Yeah, well, now, nowadays, 60 is young. Nowadays, they probably have 85-year-olds flying planes. Oh, I could do this in my sleep. <laughs> They've got the cane. They're just like pushing buttons with their cane. Oh, yeah. So this guy, David Cronin, was an absolute G. He had been flying since 1954. He logged 28,000 hours flying, and so he was very, very experienced. I mean, that seems it was like a lot of Second hours. last flight. Okay. After making the first leg of the journey successfully, LA to Honolulu, United Airlines 811 departed Honolulu for Auckland at about 2 o'clock in the morning, local time, with 337 passengers and 18 crew on the flight. Okay. Everything, just a routine flight. I'm sure he'd flown this route many, many times. After clearing the runway, the plane starts to climb. With a thunderstorm in the distance, Captain Cronin was preparing to sort of slip around it. Oh, so, as you do. Yeah, just, you know, just duck around it. Uh-huh. So he left the seatbelt sign on even after they reached the 10,000 feet, which is usually like the... Cruising altitude? Uh, no, no. Oh, okay. First time on a plane? <laughs> yes. What, Christine, what is cruising altitude? Uh, we've reached our cruising altitude. I think that's where you just get up to that altitude no, but and how then you high, cruise. How high, <laughs> how high is it? 20,000 feet? Nope. 10,000 feet? No. 15. Oh, my God. Have you 30,000 feet. Have you feet. ever been on a plane before? You, I don't measure the feet when I'm f- on an airplane. You fly about a million times a year. Cruising uh-huh. altitude is usually around like thirty-seven to 40,000 feet. Okay. Well, that wasn't that far off. You said 20, then you said 10, then you said 15. You were literally taking guesses. <laughs> That's true. Next, I wouldn't be surprised if you said 100. I would have gotten there in the end. Yeah, you would But they never tell you. They're just like, we've reached our cruising altitude. I don't actually think they say that. I've heard it before. In a movie. Yes. Okay, anyway. So after, so the first 10,000 feet is the most 
This is coming from authority, from well, from researching stories and also from friends who work in engineering and things like that. The first 10,000 feet and the last 10,000 feet are the, usually the danger times. Danger zone. Once you're cruising at altitude or once you're cruising, you're usually pretty fine. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so usually the seatbelt sign goes off at 10,000 feet. Okay. But they were still on, they were still climbing. Around 17 minutes into the flight, somewhere around the 23,000 feet mark, suddenly there was a large boom, <gasps> a large bang sound, and it, the plane just shook very violently. <laughs> Why are you Sorry, laughing? I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. Keep going. I okay. just started laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Is this your nervous laughter? Yes. I'm nervous. Something bad's going to happen, obviously. Next thing, they hear another loud boom, and the right cargo door on the right-hand side flew open and smashed into the side of the plane, which is also called the fuselage. Did you know that? I have heard that before. Fuselage. Yes. That is the body of the plane. I've done uh, plane stories before. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we also are aviation experts. So I figured I didn't want to put all the lingo to the audience, to the Voyagers, Uh in case they didn't get it. But I was going to say fuselage. We'll have Comron make a glossary of terms. That would be amazing. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm just picturing now. That would be actually pretty funny. So... The cargo door on the right-hand side, so that's kind of at the bottom part below the the windows. That's the flap that they open, put all the cargo in there. Makes that sense. That door busts open and flips open and smashes into the side of the plane. Why the... does it flip open? Well, I'll, I'll get to it. Let me keep talking. All okay. Right? Keep talking. So, uh, so it flies open, smashes into the side of the plane, and it busts open the side of the plane in one, like, Boom, loud explosion because it just wow. smashes into the side. Yikes. At 23,000 feet with rapid decompression from a hole in the side of the plane, what happens is the vacuum. So remember we talked about... <laughs> okay. What happens is the vacuum. Remember we talked about what would happen if you open up the plane door. Yes. And we, we came to the conclusion that you couldn't do it in flight because of the pressure. Right. But if you smashed a hole into the side of the plane, uh-huh. that rapid decompression would cause a vacuum and things to get sucked out. Yikes. So as a result of this huge vacuum, the floor that's in front of the hole just basically gets destroyed <gasps> and rows of seats are just sucked <gasps> out of the plane. With people on them? Ten seats. G and H, so G, seats G and H, rows 8 to 12, so all 10 seats were immediately sucked out of the plane. That's like the front of the plane where they never seat us. It was business class. <gasps> no, they paid so much money for those. They were all sucked what out. A bummer. <laughs> well, they also died. Yeah, well, obviously. I mean, not obviously, because I did have that story of the woman who fell out of the plane and she landed on the ground of the Amazon and she was survived. That's probably the most amazing plane story ever. Yes, it was. Episode a few back. Episode a few back. It was, so yeah, so 10 seats, G to H, um, all sucked out. It had, unfortunately, there were eight passengers sitting in those seats. That's so awful. 8G and 12G were empty. And then another passenger that was sitting in 9F was also killed during the blast. But those 10 seats were just immediately sucked out. Brutal. Brutal. Um, also, the Amazon survival story is uh, episode 20. Okay, that's a really go good back. story. That was a good one. Yeah, I think that was one of your best ones. Thank you. So during this huge explosion, this vacuum being created and everybody getting like – I mean, there's the baggage – uh, what are they called? The overhead bins of fly uh-huh. open luggage is getting zoomed around. Like there's this huge, you know, all the winds rushing through the plane. So it's a it's massive chaos. shit show. It's just chaos. Things are flying around, hitting people in the face. One of the flight attendants. So all the other people are strapped in, thankfully. Thank but, goodness they still had their seatbelts on. Yes, and they weren't up and about. But the flight attendants, they're up and about doing stuff, you know, serving drinks and things. One of the flight attendants was extremely lucky not to be sucked out of the plane as she was really close to the hole at the time, she was able to grab a hold of a seat leg. Whoa. And she was holding onto this seat leg, and she was basically like dangling midair. Oh, my God. As the pressure tried to suck her out of the plane. Jesus. And passengers were able to grab a hold of her and pull her to safety. I wonder like what level of force it pulls people out. Because to be able to hold on to something, it couldn't be that... Intense. Yeah, I'm not sure. I guess the seats fell out because the floor mm. below it. So I don't think the seats got sucked out, like the bolts got completely ripped out of the floor. Uh-huh, and I don't think it right. has that so- kind of pressure. Right. 
but the floor that they were on got destroyed in the blast. Uh-huh. So the seats came up because of it. Wow. So, yeah, so I guess she was able to hold on and people were able to drag her into some kind of safety. But can you just imagine holding on? It's like no. a movie. Yes. It's exactly like a movie. She's holding onto the seat leg and her legs are dangling in the air and then they that grab her and wild. they like pull her up to safety. So it's just crazy. Um, so after taking a second to recover from the shock, Captain Cronin literally, uh, sorry, initially believed that this could have been a bomb attack <gasps> because a similar attack had happened only two months earlier in the UK which is another crazy story, which mm. I got completely sidetracked to about this Pan Am flight that got exploded. It's actually a pretty uh, well-known incident. It exploded over Scotland mm. and it was linked to Libya and, and Gaddafi and it's this wild story. Maybe I'll tell it another day. I think that I almost told that story. What, what was that? Oh, that was in the 70s? No, it was in the 80s. In the 80s? I feel like I almost told that story. I think yeah. I know what you're talking about. That's a wild story as well. I think yeah. I might do that story one one day. Mm. Um, so he thinks like it's a bomb, but he's up the front and he has no idea what's happening. He just knows that obviously there was a huge thing. The cabin has lost pressure. The plane's all fucked up. It's vibrating. You know, the engines are fucking up. And so he's got no idea. But quick thinking and working to save the plane from going down, Cronin immediately started to descend mm-hmm. while also turning back around. So doing a 180 loop and heading back towards Honolulu Airport. Mm. They also had to get the plane down quickly because during the explosion, the oxygen system had been damaged. <gasps> so they need to get down to a safe, breathable level. Because the oxygen's limited. Were, were they able to breathe during this? I think so, but your oxygen levels are really low. That so, is making me short of breath just thinking about it. Especially when I'm banging out this story. I'm like, I'm reading oxygen levels low. So I'm like, <sighs> oh, Hopefully we don't have the Rona. Yeah. They begin dumping fuel to make it to a safe wait for landing. Mm-hmm. And they start heading back towards the airport. And not only is Captain Cronin dealing with a huge hole in the side of the plane, a bunch of dead passengers and no oxygen. <laughs> oh, my God. But because of the decompression blast, a bunch of debris had flown, uh, been blown into the engine uh. on the right side. After seeing that engine three was severely damaged, they had to shut it down. Okay. So I guess there's two engines on each side. A short while into the descent, engine four starts to fail as well, oh, and no. they have to shut that down. So I guess the whole right side, it's got a huge fucking hole in it. <laughs> the engines are off, and there's no oxygen. So they're just banking on the left side. So they're just banking on the left the side, just coasting down. Uh, and here's a couple of sort of a little couple of recounts from people that were on board. Dr. Jack Kennedy, who's a surgeon from Melbourne, said he looked out the window and saw the engines on fire and said to his sons, I think this is it. You'd better start your prayers. <laughs> Which Whoa, is, that's a really hardcore thing to say to a child. Well, Better start your prayers, kiddies. I mean, it's also a pretty hardcore, good. pretty hardcore thing to be involved in. Very hardcore. I cannot judge what I would say to my children. I'd say, fuck! <laughs> Um, and there's also, here's another interesting passenger who's on board. John Tracy, a 65-year-old retired Air Force pilot who said um, he'd crash-landed twice in Germany in World War II. Mm. And he was, I think he was pretty, I think he was right up there. He was like, I'll be fine. He's like, eh, that's all right. Eh, been there, done that. Plus to be 65 in the 80s is like to be 85 now. That's true. So he's probably like, eh, lived a good life. Yeah. Um. At the time, Cronin was trying to communicate with the crew back in the plane to find out what was happening, but he couldn't get through to them. So he sent one of the flight engineers to go back to see what's happening. And upon. Can they walk through the plane or are they going to get sucked out? I guess now they're going down, the pressure okay. is not so bad. Also, I think, the, I think the problem that happens is that the compartment is uh, pressurized. Mm-hmm. So when you rapidly decompress it, is that's the explosion and they're sucked out. Mm-hmm. But once the once that pressure is normalized, you don't have that. You just have a huge hole. It's like having the window down. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because if you think about, I've never been skydiving, but when you're up there, it's all open. Okay, and you're not getting sucked out, are you? Right. Yeah, but when you're pressure, that's true. Actually, I was thinking about that because I mean, it, but the thing is, it's a much smaller plane 
but they do have like the door open during takeoff and while you're up in the air and you don't get sucked out. Well, it's the, it, it's just the equivalent of being in a car with the window down mm-hmm. with, with a hole in the plane. Okay. It's only when you decompress it that quickly that it vacuums out. So okay. you have sucked all the air. Think of it like this. Think of it like uh, if you had a bottle and you crushed the bottle mm-hmm. and so all the air's out, but then you opened up. You let go of the bottle and it sucked all the air in. Yeah. You'd only do it once. Right. Okay. Anyway, okay. I don't know. I'm no, we know that this is not a science podcast. <laughs> is okay? it? Okay. No, it's not a science podcast. Okay. Okay. It was strictly aviation, avian, and, you know, a few travel stories here and there. And other things that start with A. Yeah. Uh, aquatics. Apples and apples, yeah. and apples and oranges. They've had uh, their apples day. Apples and oranges. They've had their day. They've had their day. Settle down. Okay. All right. Relax. All right. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, where am I at now? Um, (laughs) (laughs) They're going down. Okay, yeah. So they're going down. He sends one of the flight engineers back to see, like, what the fuck's going on? Because they don't know. I guess he just gets all the readings, but he doesn't know that there's a huge hole in the plane. So this guy goes back. He has a look at the plane, and he's like, okay, there's a hole in the plane. All right, cool. Yep. (laughs) And so at this stage, they're going down. They're starting to stabilize a little bit, and they are nearing the airport, the landing gear goes down, but one of the wings on the right-hand side was damaged. You know how when you've, you're landing, the wing thing pops up to slow you down? Yes. So that thing's damaged. So they God, can't, the whole right side is just screwed. So they can't really slow the plane down. Okay. To land it at the right landing speed. Usually a plane would land anywhere between 150 and 165 miles at okay. landing. This plane landed at about 225 miles an hour. Wow. So a lot faster. But Cronin, being the G that he is, he lands a plane at excessive speed without overrunning the runway. 14 minutes after the plane basically exploded midair, they land the plane and they evacuate within about 40 seconds and <laughs> everybody is fine. Wow. Well, except from, for the people who got sucked apart out. Apart from the nine people. Wow. That's incredible. Good Isn't for that him. a crazy travel story? What a great captain. So of the nine passengers lost um, after conducting thorough searches, so I think one might have died on the plane, maybe was hit by something, but the eight were sucked out. They did extensive searches and none were ever found. Was it over the ocean? It was over the ocean. Okay. So they took off from Honolulu over the Pacific and they just Mm, were never found again. That's very sad. And this is a little graphic. So if you want to like pause it for 10 seconds, it's not super graphic, but it's just, I mean, it's kind of like. Earmuffs uh, children. Yeah. The, so they never found any of the eight passengers that were sucked out. Mm-hmm. Although the Honolulu Medical Examiner's Office did note that multiple small body fragments and pieces of clothing were found in one of the engines. Oh. Which indicates that somebody was sucked through the engine. Ah, that's really gross. I know. Ugh. It's full on. They were sucked out of the plane into the engine. Yeah. That is a brutal way to go. Very brutal, but very quick. Extremely quick. Although I think I was thinking then about what it would feel like if you went out. I think that you might probably pass out from the pressure. Probably. And But anyway. Wow. So, yeah, moving on. Okay. Wanting to know exactly what happened to the plane, they did a very, very big research looking for clues, and they couldn't find anything from the cargo door. So they couldn't find the cargo – because the cargo door got ripped off. Mm -hmm. They couldn't find that, and they launched an investigation into the incident. And this is just a couple of interesting things that came out of this story, which I thought were um, interesting, because it changed – kind of changed the game for a lot of things. Mm -hmm. So the National Transportation Safety Board launched uh, an investigation into the incident and they found that the cargo door had reported a few issues in the past and that it was indicating locked when it actually wasn't locked properly (gasps) and it led them to believe that this was a preventable human error. Oh, that's And they also faulted the airline with improper maintenance and inspection. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, but unsettled by the conclusion, the parents of one of the victims – one of the people who died, they launched their own investigation into the incident using the report and other stuff, and they actually found that it wasn't preventable human error, that it was, in fact, a design flaw for the cargo door latching mechanism. And in late 1990, the NTSB, the Transportation Board, they reopened the case after a submarine found 
two halves of the cargo door 1,400 feet below the ocean. Quick edit, I meant to say 14,000 feet. Whoa, wait, how many years later was that? Just one year. Oh, one year later. So the crash was in 1989. In 1990, in September, so like 18 months afterwards, a submarine found the two halves of the cargo door. What are the chances of that? Like a needle in a haystack. Wow. Isn't that insane? That is insane. So after examining the cargo door and all the other findings in the reports, I actually eventually concluded that it was a fundamental flaw in the design. Oopsie. That led to the issue. So it was, yeah, so it wasn't, it wasn't human error. I mean, it was somebody's error. I mean, it's so, yeah, <laughs> Designer, yeah, it was someone's, but... someone's error, definitely. Yeah. But they concluded that it was actually a flaw in the design and they issued a report and a recommendation that all 747-100s in service replace their cargo door locking mechanisms. And I think it revolutionized the safety of how they did cargo That's doors so from that point forward. So that family could have prevented who knows how many more lives being lost, you know? Yeah. Also, because... can you imagine it? Because they basically said it was the ground crew. It was their fault for not locking Ugh, the door properly. You would feel so horrible yeah. for your whole life. And Now the designer can feel bad. Yeah. And and then they eventually said it was something to do with the mechanism and the electronics and that, and they changed it. Mm -hmm. How crazy is that? That is insane. And I've got one small tidbit, which I think is even more wild. Okay. The same aircraft was repaired and returned to service in 1990, a year later. Wow. Isn't that crazy? And they Um, flew it until 2001. I mean, if they fixed the problem. I know, but it just seems... But Because it had a huge hole in it? It had a huge hole in it. Yeah, I think... Interesting. Hmm. So it was so eighty uh, early. It was the ex- they didn't just take the parts and put no, it in no, no, no. Early eighty nine, it had the incident. It was back in service in nineteen ninety. So like a year later, it flew for another eleven years to two thousand and one, and then it was eventually scrapped for parts in two thousand and four. Interesting. It's kind of like that ghost plane story. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. That story that I told about the plane that crashed and then it was lore that or an urban legend that the parts in that plane then got sent out and put on a bunch of different other planes. And on those planes, people reported ghost sightings of the crew, the ghost crew of Flight 401, I think it was called. I mean, I guess you've got to you've got to reuse it. I mean, I assume plane parts are very expensive. I'm trying to find what episode that was. Wasn't it called Ghost Plane? It was one of those episodes. Uh, Episode 7. Oh, it was our Halloween special. Oh, yeah. Episode 7, which was a very popular... uh, Oh, yes. Ghost Plane and the Mystery Man. Yes. The spooky Halloween special. The spooky Halloween special. That was a very good... That wasn't Lars, was it? Yes. It was. That was one of that That's was a that, really good episode. If you guys want to go good. back, episode seven, our Halloween special. It doesn't have to be Halloween for you to listen to it. You can listen to it all year long. You can. And it's a really good. Jules talks about a missing German tourist, and I talk about a gr- ghost crew of Eastern Airlines Flight 401. I was right, 401. Yeah, that's a good memory. Thank you. I still think that story of Lars on Episode 7 is one of the craziest stories. It gives me chills. Yeah, it's just, you want to just know the answer. I mm. mean, maybe someday we'll find out. Yeah, that's true. Okay, there you go, Flight uh, 811. So, yeah, uh, David Cronin, what a legend of a pilot. He's since passed. He was 80-something, 80, 80 mm. so he had a good run. Mm. Um, but yeah, amazing pilot. I think he won a bunch of awards. Did he do his last flight? Because he said that was his penultimate Ooh, flight. That's very interesting. I feel like I'd be like, I'm done. Or would you want to get one more good flight under your oh. belt to be like, now I'm I mean, done? he'd flown 28,000 hours, and that's probably the worst incident that ever happened. I would hope so. So statistically, the chances of him having that again are like infinitely impossible. Yeah. But you might have like some PTSD or something from it, a little bit of trauma. Yeah, I mean, he's, he did an amazing job. Yeah, good. I for don't him. know. That's very interesting. I'll, I'll find out. I'd love to know whether he did that or not. I hope he got a medal. Of oh some no, he sort. got. I think he got a bunch of stuff. People were like, "You're the man." Oh, good. Yeah, that's nice. okay. Cool. Cool. I like it. That's a wild ass story. I can't believe I've never heard that before. Yeah, I've actually had that one for a while, so I've been meaning to tell it. Nice. Okay, so my story is also a good story. It's a little bit, it's going to be probably a little bit shorter. Um, That's okay. We're we're nearing like 
feel for 49 minutes. So. Okay, good yeah. to know. So I got this story from an article from The Guardian, and it's actually a firsthand piece written by the person who experienced it. So this is straight from the person's mouth or keyboard. The horse's mouth? I was going to say horse, but it's a person. Yeah, straight from the person's mouth. <laughs> from the person's keyboard. Why would they say horse's mouth? I have no idea. What are horses doing that's straight from there? Mr. Ed. Mr. Ed. Maybe it's a Mr. Ed reference. He was a talking horse. But this is story is not note. about do you know, Mr. Ed. Do you know Ed. how they made Mr. Ed talk? No, I don't want to know. Is it sad? No, I think they put peanut butter in his gums. Oh, that's adorable. So he was, so he was always trying to like... Okay, that's better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, well, they weren't going to beat him. Well, it's the, I mean, well, that was from like the 60s or something, oh, yeah. right? They would have. I mean, he would have been beaten Yeah, at some stage, but I'm saying that's... I'm sure I, he ended up in the glue factory I at some point. I think that's what they did. It probably was a number of horses. Probably. Anyway, I don't. I digress. This is not a Mr. Ed podcast, but it could be. Yeah. Might want to do a Mr. Ed episode. It could be. Mr. Episode. Okay. Mr. Episode. Mr. Episode. Okay. So this is about Clay and a Kami Chastain. I think it's a Kami. I'm going to go with that. So sorry, a Kami, if I'm pronouncing your name wrong. Is that one person or two? So Clay and a Kami Chastain. That's two okay. people. Clay like Chastain a- and a Kami Chastain. They're okay. a couple. Okay. It could be one person. It's not. Okay. <laughs> I know. I can tell you that. It's a couple from Indiana. They got married on July 13th of last year, which coincidentally is one day after Dizzle's birthday. Woo. Now you know. The more you know. Send me a birthday card. Yes. So they decide to honeymoon on the beautiful island of St. Kitts in the Caribbean. They plan on spending the week on the beaches, snorkeling, eating delicious seafood, I would imagine. Love it. Love candlelit it. dinners over very cheap lobster. Actually, I don't I think it might be expensive there. I think it probably is. It sounds like one of the expensive Caribbean islands. Like uh, you know, US Virgin Islands. Yeah. Cayman or I don't know. Cayman. Some of them are expensive. There's probably offshore accounts there, you know, things of that nature. So Halfway into their week-long honeymoon, they decide to climb Mount Liamuga. Liamuga. Oh, God. I looked this up before. Liamuga. And it's L-I-A-M-U-I-G-A. Liamuga, I think it is, which is a dormant volcano. It's about 3,800 feet tall. They're hikers. It's a. It's a more of an experienced hike. Um, but good for them for going hiking on their yep, honeymoon. Good work. We did not do that. We, uh, we just drank. did not leave the resort except to get massages. It was great. It was amazing. I highly recommend it. But these people are hikers. They're movers. They're shakers. They're youngins. They want to go hiking. The movers, the shakers, they're bakers. They might be candlestick makers. We don't know. I don't know the full story. I just lit a candle. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> Jill's going to start a seance. Um, so they, the morning of their hike, they get to the base and they think there might be like a visitor center or some information on hiring a guide, but there's just the trail marker. So they decide to go out on their own. Akami describes the hike as being something out of Jurassic Park. So it's like super lush. Velociraptors. There's velociraptors. There's one T-Rex that, why is there always one T-Rex in that movie? Well, they're solo. They're solo. Animals. Yeah, I know. But don't they need two? Oh, I guess they don't really breed them. They're like more cloning uh, them. Science. Test science. tube T-Rexes. Test tube. Test tubosaurus. Test tubosaurus. So I wrote that the monkeys were swimming overhead I think I wrote that wrong. <laughs> they must have been swinging overhead. They're, they could have been swimming. They could be swimming. They're in the tree tops, tree tops, tree tops, dropping half-eaten mangoes. It's just like super idyllic, you know, yeah. like beautiful. Yeah, they're also uh, chronic food wasters. Because yeah, half-eaten, especially mangoes. I mean, one thing that annoys me about animals and birds just. To, if I might just jump into some quick avian lore. Okay. And some avian observations. We, mm-hmm. at my parents' house, we have apricots, and the birds pick like one small hole in it, and then they go to the next one. Are you going to sue them? Uh, it's, I mean, I would be Take willing to- Take them to avian court? I'd be willing to settle at a court. Okay. If we could trade eggs for apricots. Oh, that'd be good. But, uh, you know, it's pending. It's a pen. It's a pending. We actually are not allowed to speak about yeah, it. Yeah, I've already said pending. too much. Okay. We'll take that out in the podcast. So they are at 12 p.m. They reach the summit. They eat their sandwiches. And they're, mang- they're half mangoes. Which I think that eating your uh, lunch that you packed is probably the best part of a hike. 
I always get excited about eating my food. You get excited on the hike and finishing the hike <laughs> and finishing the hike. That's also the best part uh, when you can have a beer at the end. So they're enjoying the view. It's like overlooking the ocean and islands. They're on this volcano. Mm. It's like that's like peak honeymoon goals. You know, beautiful. You're on this Caribbean island. You're on the volcano. Legit. They're getting the shots for the Instagram. They're ready to go. So they continue walking along the rim of the crater, and they notice a trail leading down into the basin. It's super steep. Akemi says it's probably about 80 degrees in certain places. It's very steep. It's extremely steep. So there's ropes tied to trees and rocks that form kind of a chain to hold on to. Okay, so people had done it before. Yes, it's not. they're not the only ones. But it does say that this is for experienced hikers. Very experienced. Yeah, it reminds me of in Bali when we went on... Kalinking. Uh, Kalinking? Oh, Kalinking, yeah. Kalinking. Was that on Nusa Lumbagan? Panita. Panita. Kalinking Beach, we did a hike that was very similar. There was ropes that were basically tied to rocks. And bamboo fences that was just very, very unsafe. It was almost vertical. So one wrong step and you're in a world of hurt. Yep. So Akami says that Clay really wanted to go down and take some photos of the crater. She followed him part of the way, but she was scared of heights. I get you, girl. I get you as well. We feel you. And she didn't like the idea of climbing back up the super steep trail. Because what goes down must come back up. I know that from hiking. That's very true. And And from gravity. And gravity. Yes. Thank you. No, uh, what goes up must go down. Oh, yeah. Newton. Well, apparently it's the same opposite. Laws of stuff. Uh, Reverse gravity. So Clay goes down by himself. A few minutes later, she hears a noise and what sounds like a branch snapping and something rolling down the hill. There was a pack of monkeys with mangoes. <laughs> and they're just hurling mangoes. So she figures that Clay probably knocked a rock loose and it tumbled down or something like that. So she calls his name to make sure he's okay, and she gets no response. Uh-oh. So she shouts his name again. She hears a super faint cry for help much further down the crater. She's trying not to freak out, but she scrambles down the trail as fast as she can, screaming his name. Finally, she spots him, and he's curled up on the ground, and there's blood behind his ear and on his back. Ooh, ouch. So they estimated that he fell about 50 to 70 feet. Ooh, down, like down. Down. Oh, man, he would just been bouncing like a ping pong ball. And also, like, volcanic rock oh, is so, so sharp. sharp. Oh. Why is it so sharp? Um, I, Something about the magma or something? It's, like, shardy. Yeah, okay. <laughs> something like that. So it's that's a brutal fall, oh, fifty to seventy brutal. feet. It would just slash you up. It would slash you up. It'd be hard. It would not feel mm. good. Ouchie. So he says that he doesn't know if he has any broken bones, but his head hurts, which is always a bad sign. Yeah, you don't want your to head break to your hurt. Arm. Yeah, for sure. So f- sorry in advance for those to get queasy earmuffs, but the front of his shirt is covered in blood and vomit. And there's blood pouring from his nose and his head. Ugh. So he's not in a good way. He vomited? He vomited, yeah. I think it went, it's pretty... Concussion. Like if you get a concussion, you throw up, right? I know not, that from the office. Not always, but... <laughs> okay, well, sometimes, apparently. Mm. Maybe it was emotion sickness of him rolling down the hill. Whoa, Could be, whoa, or whoa. getting the um, like wind knocked out of him yeah, or something like possible, that. Yeah, it's possible, yeah. Yeah. So he is disoriented. He's saying, where are we? I mean, he's definitely got a concussion by the sounds of it. Definitely concussion. He's saying, where are we? What happened? Not good. Not good. Okay. So she tries their phones, but they don't have a signal. And the only other hiker they saw all day was heading back down the summit. Ooh. So they're alone. No one knows they're there. They have no service. She's like, I have to get us out of here. There's no, like, that's the only other That's option. when those superpowers come. Yeah, exactly. Totally. It's like a mother lifts up a car <laughs> exactly. to save a baby. I don't know why that phrase is. Like... I don't know. Has that ever happened? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> that's such an urban legend. I feel like we need to look that up next. So she knows she shouldn't leave him on his own because, you know, who knows what could happen. So Clay is eight inches and not, he's not eight inches. <laughs> He's a tiny, tiny little man. Now, he's eight inches taller than her and also 60 pounds heavier than her. So she can't carry him. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Um, thankfully, he is able to stand and walk with her support. 
So she, I mean, eight inches, that's a really tall. Yeah, that's tall. Yeah. So that's like if somebody was. Well, I'm um, five inches taller than you. Five inches. Okay. Almost uh, almost six. Are you? Yeah. How tall are you? Like almost six one. Oh, well, there you go. Well, I'm five seven. Yeah. So, so. yeah. So you're six inches taller than me. Yeah. So, yeah. But it's still, that's yeah, still it's, a bit of a height difference. Yeah, a, yeah. 60 pounds heavier. That doesn't seem like that much. I'm I mean, it is. Now. But you're definitely more than 60 pounds heavier than me. Yeah. Although not by much. Jules is slimming down. He's trimming slimming up. Down. He's looking good. Moving on up. Moving on down. Yeah. So thankfully, he is able to stand and walk with her support. So she is behind him, pushing him up this steep ass trail. Superwoman. Yeah, it's really impressive. She says it takes half an hour to reach the summit, just to get back up the summit. Wow. That he probably took like two seconds to fall down. Yeah. So she has to keep reminding him of where they are and what they're doing. So he's, he's got a proper concussion going on. He's super disoriented. All he wants to do is lie down, which you can never let people go to sleep. And that's what I've learned from the movies. If someone's tired and they've hit their head, don't let them go to sleep. Keep don't them let them go away. to sleep. So on the way back up the trail, he's vomiting blood every 10 minutes or so. And later they find out that blood was running down from his nose, down his throat. And that's Ugh. why he's throwing up blood. Yeah. So once they get up to the crater, it's easier for them to get down, but it still takes them a long time. I think the whole thing takes them like three hours. Wow. And she's basically just having to to handle this by herself. He doesn't know what's going on. He can barely walk. As they start descending, he starts stumbling more. He's breathing really heavily, and his skin Ugh, is so clammy. So scary. He's it's probably losing a lot of blood as well. Terrifying. So she says she just keeps encouraging him and telling him he's doing a great job and that she's proud of him, which kind of just like breaks my heart a little bit. So sweet because they're like newlyweds. Mm. I think they're in their late 20s. So about halfway down the volcano, she's able to get cell service. She calls an ambulance. So by the time they reach the bottom, it's waiting for them. So lucky. Yeah. So he gets to the hospital. He finds out he has a fractured skull and jaw. Yeah. And then when they get back to the U.S., they find out he also has a cerebrospinal fluid leak from his brain into his sinuses. But they're able to drain that. So he's okay, which is great. (laughs) Good work, I I couldn't find an update from this year. But the last update I found, he did have hearing loss in one ear and difficulty with balance. But other than that, he seems to have recovered. Damn, that guy's very lucky. He's so lucky. Like, what if he had been by himself? I'd be dead. He would have died. Yeah. She saved his life. So her key takeaway, which is the last line of her story, is when I climbed into the volcano to save my new husband's life, I proved that love is stronger than fear. It's so cute. There you go. Isn't that an intense honeymoon? Very intense. Way more intense than ours. Yeah. They also said that insurance didn't cover his, um, like, um, evac or whatever. I don't know. That's Maybe that should be insurance. Because you're in... Companies are rats. That's why. Not all of them. Some of them are helpful. Yeah, some of it go. <laughs> so that is the not-so-honeymoon story of Clay and Akami. The not-so-honeymoon by Bon Voyage. That's right. Damn. That, I mean, would you reckon you'd be able to save me if I fell down? I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> you mean, what do you mean? Like whether you could physically or whether you'd want to? I mean, I might just be like, this seems like a good place for you to end. Yeah. This is a beautiful spot. Died, Good night, dear. He died doing what he loved. Hiking. And you died doing what you loved, going back from a hike. Yeah. I might I might like have a sandwich, throw my sandwich, yeah. and see what I can do. You good? You good down there? All right. Yeah, you're good. Yeah. Damn. Well, that does just show what you can do to push your body in a moment of survival. Yeah, that's true. It's interesting. Like when something bad happens... Like somebody in the group or the couple just has to like step up and be like, okay, let's do it. I'm getting this shit done. Like your adrenaline kicks in. You're just like, boom, super super Superpowers. Superpowers. So I'm very happy for Clay and Akami that they made it out safely. I'm very happy. I'm very happy for this week's episode. I think it was a good episode. Good. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, we don't have much else to do in quarantine and we... I just I look forward to this every week. Yeah, we're thinking about starting to put out uh, mini sods. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll keep you updated on that, yeah. listeners. And I actually think we're working on uh, having a few guests on the show as well to tell their story, mm. just to mix it up a bit. You know, we're trying some different things. Yeah. So that'll be fun as well. So stay tuned. Remember, you got to subscribe. 
you have to do it yeah of course you have to um please subscribe and then send us a screenshot of your subscription and we'll give you a shout out on our instagram stories we will and we'll um, give you we something. have a few Instagram followers. We do. Well, we can also, yes. I mean, don't forget to move has almost 80,000. That's true. So if you want to share on that, mm-hmm. if you send us a screenshot on Not So Bon Voyage, a few subscribed, we will give you an extra special shout out. And you better not unsubscribe right after because that's not very nice. Yeah. Well, I think I'd prefer a review. Okay. Or a review is good as well. A review is good as well. Either one. Or double points for both. Yeah. If you do both and send us a screenshot, we'll send you a little video. And we'll make up a dance for you. Yeah, we There you go. We'll make we, up a dance in your honor. We'll make up a dance in your honor and we'll tag you. Okay. Uh, remember, guys, don't forget to get in contact with us. Not so Bon Voyage on Instagram. Tell us, where would you want to be quarantined if you weren't at home? We have that couple that was quarantined in the Maldives. That seemed like a pretty good thing as long as they don't get foot. They don't have to foot the bill. Yeah. Uh, but we'd love to hear where you would want to be quarantined right now if you aren't already in the best spot possible, mm-hmm. not including your home. Mm-hmm. So hit us up on Instagram at Not So Bon Voyage. Tell us where would you want to be quarantined, and we just can't wait to see your responses. And we're gonna go now because we are. you know it's like the thing you know like all right we've got to go now um, because <laughs> well we have to continue staying at we home. We have to just keep hanging out here. We don't actually have anything to do, but we feel like going. So until next week, guys, remember, stay safe at home. And if you're not, make sure you tell us about it. Peace. Bye, bitches.